1: Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed being in this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KCI.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning?
0: Oh, wow. Our show is really going to be fascinating because we're going to be talking about so many high-tech New devices and what it means to us, you know, as consumers and our consumer privacy. We're going to talk about the FCC. We're going to talk about uh, the privacy implications of microphone-enabled devices. And oh my goodness, I'm all excited! And let me tell you who our guest is. We are going to be interviewing Stacy Gray who is a certified information privacy professional just like me, and she is a policy counsel at the Future of Privacy Forum in Washington, D.C., and they focus on issues of data collection in Online and mobile platforms, ad tech, cross device tracking, and the Internet of Things, and so much more. And she graduated cum laude from Georgetown University Law Center just last year in 2015, where she worked in civil rights litigation as a law clerk for Victor M. Glassberg and Associates, and as a member of the Civil Rights Division of the Institute for Public Representation. She has a background in biotech, which I I'm sure, really helps, um, and Stacy is interested in ways in which technology can be harnessed to advance civic knowledge and civil rights, but still at the same time safeguard consumer privacy. At the Future Privacy Forum, she worked on FCC and FTC public filings and published several recent publications, including Cross-Device Understanding, The State of State Management, and Always On privacy implications of micro microphone enabled devices so yeah great stuff and the website is fpf.org that's frank peter frank.org where you can learn more about her and the future of privacy point forum so i'm so excited that you're joining us from dc this morning stacy thank you Hi, thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I read your article about always on and oh my goodness, even though I pretty much stay on, you know, up to date on a lot of the privacy issues, it this just blew me away. So, <laughs> I think we're going to have to talk about this first, even though I know there's so many exciting things to talk about. So let's talk about, you know, the privacy implications. So I know you you explained in your article about really um, the three categories of microphone uh, devices and ca- uh, microphone enabled devices. Can you go over those with us to begin with?
1: Absolutely. Well, so back when I was writing this, the Amazon Echo was still a very new and exciting thing, and by now, many of your listeners are probably more familiar with it. They might even own it, and the thing that we noticed that inspired us to write about this topic was that there is an increasing number of home devices and connected devices and wearable devices and everything that is is incorporating speech recognition as the primary interface. Right. Um, So, last year, for example, there there was a lot of media coverage uh, around Samsung smart TVs because a a journalist, I believe, noticed that their privacy policy mentioned that they were collecting uh, microphone data all the time. Mm. It turned out to be just a bit of a poorly written privacy policy, which they clarified. But at the time, it created a lot of flap around people who were concerned you know, understandably concerned that their television would be listening to them all the time. Yeah, and we when you think it. about
0: when you think about when you're watching T V in your home at night after work, you know, you talk about a lot of things, right? And and who knows sure. what kind of stuff that you might be talking about or lovey dovey or whatever you're doing there. And it's well, and clearly yeah, an invasion of privacy.
1: That's exactly I think what a lot of readers thought and why they were concerned. When we looked into it, however, that's that's not what was happening at all and that's not what's happening with a lot of these devices. Yeah. Um, what's starting to happen, in contrast, is that devices that use microphones are starting to use wake phrases where the device will be sitting and processing internally until you say a wake phrase, like, hey, Alexa, to turn on the Amazon Echo or people who use Google Chrome might use the microphone-enabled searching where they say, okay, Google and then it wakes up and starts transmitting audio data to the cloud where it can do a voice-to-text translation. Right.
0: right. And so, that's good for people like you had talked about in your article, for people who are disabled and they can't use their hands or something like that. To, to be able oh, to, it's wonderful, right?
1: Absolutely. We've absolutely heard that, especially from advocates who have said, this is, this is life-changing to not have to go over and push a button on the other side of the room to be able to access my device. Um but it's also, I think, very useful just for ordinary people. Think about, for example, uh, voice control in, in a connected car would certainly enable a wide range of uses and ways to interact with our devices that weren't po- possible before. Right. Um, we've heard people compare these things to the Star Trek computer, you know, where you can just ask anything at any time right. out, <laughs> out into your home and, and get an answer. Right.
0: Or turn on the lights or... <laughs> All the different things, you know, but especially in a car when you're driving, you know, hands free is so important, right?
1: Sure. Or if you're in the kitchen and you're cooking something with your hands and you want to ask the Amazon Echo for a recipe or a conversion, right? (laughs) It's
0: just amazing. Those are all the benefits. So let's talk about (laughs) the the burdens, the privacy issues that. And, you know people get so excited with technology that they they often don't do what what you, you and I know about which is privacy by design you know integrating into the architecture of the device or the new technology um the privacy uh you know protections although there were some mm-hmm. that you mentioned that were really quite good in in this article
1: yes we we tried to identify a lot of the emerging practices that companies are starting to develop um Some of the challenges with these devices center around the fact that increasingly they don't have screens, so how do you give someone a privacy policy if you don't have a a screen that you're interacting with, like something like the Echo? And so we've seen companies increasingly start to use visual cues and haptic cues and things like that to indicate to the person when data is actually being sent. Uh, one of the early suggestions that we had for Amazon when the Echo was being released was, hey, uh, why you can ask the Echo so many questions, why can't you ask it if it has a privacy policy? Um, <laughs> That's right. Which, you know, at the time when you asked for that question, it would say, I don't know how to answer that. Try online. <laughs> um, and, of course, not many people are going around saying, what's your privacy policy? I want to read it. So Amazon... It innovated a little bit and said, okay, what are people going to actually ask? And now when you approach that device and you say, Echo, are you spying on me? <laughs> now it has an actual answer. And it says, it, it gives a little description of the type of data that's sent and when and mm-hmm. points you to more information in their privacy notice online. So that that was pretty cool and surprisingly something that no one had thought of at the time.
0: You know, it would would make a lot of sense for all of these devices that, you know, can talk to you for that when you turn it on, it says, "Um, I want to tell you (laughs) about protections for your privacy. (laughs) And, you know, now now that you turn me on, welcome, you know, um, it's wonderful that you've bought this product, but let me just tell you some things that you might want to be aware of and make some choices about. I mean, that, that wouldn't be that hard to do either.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think they've done, at least uh, Amazon has done a pretty good job of that. Um, one thing that consumers, we, we try to help consumers be aware of is the difference between speech recognition and voice recognition. Yes. So a lot of these devices increasingly are using speech recognition. They're translating your voice to text in real time, which, as we've talked about, opens up this whole world of new ways to interact with devices, which is great, um, most of them are not engaging in voice recognition in the sense of uh, collecting biometric information and comparing it against a database to identify you by your voice pattern. Um, not that it isn't, that kind of thing isn't possible today, but it's very important for companies to explain when they're just making use of speech uh, to text versus when they're engaging in something biometric around which there would be various federal and state laws uh, regulating
0: it, but then of course you worry about the, you know the revelations of Snowden that before it was text messages and emails. Um, and so if if the government is collecting that from these companies, um, and and then they might be able to take that biometric information. So um, maybe turn it into that. I don't know. Is that is that too far fetched, or what do you think?
1: Um, I don't think it's far-fetched. I, I think recently um, uh, recently, someone talked about how they were not able to confirm or deny that there have been warrants out for home device information, but it's not something that we think poses a very different concern from the, the range of web browsing and data that's being put out there that may be, may be subject to government collection. It's a, it's a very serious issue, not one that we tend to get into, but... Um, Feature-enabled devices don't don't pose a different risk necessarily, yeah. as compared against that backdrop. Right,
0: right, right. right. So let's talk about um, the the three categories because I thought that oh, yeah. was interesting. You know,
1: yeah, absolutely. So you know, around the time that the Samsung stuff was all in the news, people were going around calling these devices always on, and yeah. one of those things that we wanted to do in in this. Uh, white paper was to break that down a little bit because home devices, um, consumer devices are are typically not always on. So always on devices we've said are the ones that are actually designed to record and transmit data all the time. So home security cameras, baby monitors, things that really you turn them on with the purpose of recording all the time. Right. Then you have speech recognition devices that are manually activated where you've got to push a button, you've got to flip a switch, the microphone turns on, starts recording and transmitting audio. That's probably the most innocuous of these kinds of devices. Mm -hmm. And in the middle, this third category is what we're increasingly seeing on the market, which is speech-activated devices that use wake phrases. And they're using really good energy-efficient processors so that they can just passively process without sending data outside of the device to listen for a preset phrase. Right. Um, I, I know there are mobile phones out there where you can sometimes modify this phrase, you know, to to make it your own, like, phrase.
0: Uh-huh.
1: For Google searching, it's OK Google. For folks on Windows 10, if you've set up Cortana, it's... Um, Hey, Cortana, I think is the word. Hey,
0: Cortana. Yeah,
1: hey, Cortana. Yeah. Hey, Hey Cortana. And when you set that up, it'll have you say it a few times so it starts to know your voice a little better. Um, And then then, Siri.
0: Siri doesn't do so well with me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and the Siri, the wake phrase for Siri is Hey, Siri.
0: Yeah. And
1: um, it's super useful. You never have to touch anything. If you're driving, you can just say it. Yeah. Um, But in a sense, it is using the microphone all the time to listen that wake phase, but it's not transmitting data all the time, it's not transmitting anything until it wakes
0: up, right? So but it's like been, it's there, ready to go, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 so you know, you talked in this article about the different privacy implications of each one of them. You want to go a little bit on each one of those? So, like, sure, you well, talk about the manual, the manual, well, that you know, you got that. Uh, that Barbie, hello Barbie. So now they've mm-hmm. they've gotten that, so you know when Barbie's on, right?
1: So Barbie is really good in that you have to push a big prominent button on the front of the Barbie to start recording. It has a loud noise, and then her necklace turns different colors when she's listening or processing. And when you let go of the button, she stops.
0: Yeah, that's so good.
1: It's, <laughs> it's pretty hard to mess up with uh, with the Barbie. And, and really, what we, I think ultimately concluded with the devices that are manually activated versus the ones that might be activated by a wake phrase, the privacy implications are going to be similar for those two categories. It really didn't make a huge difference, whether it's manually or, or speech-activated. You still have the same concerns where, uh, around things like children's data, if it's a toy. That should, that should of course be treated differently. It would fall under COPPA. Our, right. our position is that connected boys absolutely fall under COPPA, so you would need parental consent and so on. Um, you know, if it's doing something biometric, that's a privacy concern. If it's something in the home, there might be additional privacy concerns for something in the home. Um, what
0: about Oops. the storage? Because you talk a little bit about that, um, you know, where this information is, is uh, transmitted back to a company. And um, so what about that kind of privacy concern, even if you do it manually or if it's speech activated? Um, right. What about the storage of that information? What privacy concerns should people worry about there?
1: Well, I think uh, cloud storage actually might be one of the few areas where most most of your listeners are starting to realize that there's a privacy concern there with the breaches that we've seen in the last few years of cloud storage. So cloud storage storage brings brings really great benefits for a lot of consumer devices. It makes things cheaper. It brings a lot of value. It brings high-speed computing that wouldn't be possible internally in a device. But... It's being stored outside of your device, so that makes it potentially available to law enforcement with the right forms of access. It makes it uh, open for future use. You have to think about how long it's going to be there and what you know who else might have access to it. So as soon as you put something on the cloud, you've got to think about the implications of it being outside, and whatever, and whatever, it, whatever it is.
0: Yeah, and right. I'm just wondering... You know what would be the advantage, for example, of a Hello Barbie um, to to um, keep the uh, keep that information on the cloud, just so you can see that your daughter or your son is is able to interact and in how they're growing and. Just listen. I mean, I'm just kind of trying to understand, especially with the TV. I mean, is it something that's Mm going to make it easier for me to use my TV?
1: Yeah, well, TV or take take something like um, a connected toy. It definitely has the advantage for the parent to be able to go in and and listen and delete selectively and uh, keep an eye on things. But it also, from the company's perspective, allows them to improve. Their services. So one of the reasons that speech recognition has gotten so good in the last few years is the ability for companies to apply this massive cloud computing uh, to to improve the services and to get better at recognizing children's voices. For example, children's voices are notoriously harder to translate to text. Um, There's there's also known research about how. uh, Speech recognition is a little more difficult when you're dealing with different ethnicities or people with heavy accents. So, in order to improve those services, companies typically want to hold on to as much data as they can to analyze it.
0: So, are there um, are there times where they set up? I mean, part of privacy policies is how long you keep something, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so, are there are there policies about retention or?
1: Yes, I, I think a, any good privacy policy should have something in there about retention. There are also, though, there, there there are ways to de-link data from any sort of identifiable format to be able to process it and use it without posing you know, necessarily a risk right. to the underlying consumer. So there there are steps that companies can take to separate things, strip it of all its personally identifiable information, and still. Um, process it in a way that they could get some of the value out of this data without...
0: Without identifying who it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So are there places on the Internet, because I, you know, this is kind of, I haven't really thought about all these wonderful things. I I just got so turned on by this article. (laughs) So are there, like, places on the Internet that tell you, that compare these um, different things? For example, um, do they compare the privacy implications of Samsung TV versus LG Smart TV versus Sony versus Apple TV, (laughs) you know? I mean, is there any place so people can say, gee, um, I want to have a privacy in my home and I want to have privacy in, in terms of retention that I want people to keep this? Is there some place that compares all the privacy of these different um, competitors? That's a, a
1: really great question. I haven't seen them with respect to smart TVs. I know that there are resources out there that do has a lot of the heavy lifting on comparing privacy policies of acts, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no national requirement right now that companies even have a privacy policy, for the most part. Right. It's a website on the not necessarily... Well, California
0: does. California has... California, it, California
1: yeah. does, and companies, if they're collecting certain kinds of personal information, have to have one. Right. Um, but you know, lacking any sort of larger-scale federal regulation around privacy, hmm. um, that, that would be a difficult thing. So a lot of the research we do is just, just a question of do certain companies even have privacy policies? Right, right, right. <laughs> we, we recently did a survey of um, health-related apps in the app store to see how many had privacy policies, and it was not 100%, percent yeah. i you
0: know, but the, the the other thing that is really frustrating is, I think, even if they have privacy policies, a lot of people don't understand what these policies say, you know, and right. they don't understand them. And they're in a hurry to get into the technology, so they just bypass them. <laughs> they go, okay, <laughs> I can't, if I can't use the product, I'll just say, okay, I don't understand what it is you know i um, i really think it would be so much nicer to just have something very very simple that all consumers could understand but of course you know that's uh, just food for thought you know since you're in dc <laughs> our california yeah. legislature usually gets uh, gets things going before anybody else anyway
1: yeah, you're absolutely right. Most people don't have time or inclination to read most of these things, and it's it's arguably a limitation of FTC enforcement that, uh, that they're limited to what's called Section 5 authority. The FTC can bring an action against commercial companies who are collecting and using data only if what they're doing is misrepresented, or it's grossly unfair. Right. <laughs> it has to be unfair or deceptive, right. meaning that if you put in your privacy policy, hey, I collect all this information and I give it away to everybody, um, you can be very open about practices that most people wouldn't necessarily approve of and be relatively safe from enforcement. So, Yeah. It's- And
0: enforcement doesn't give any private right of action anyway with a a Federal Trade Commission. So um, that, you know, the the individual consumer, uh, unless there's, you know, hundreds or thousands of them, it really, you know, the enforcement action doesn't help an individual, but it would force a company to clean up their act. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so we talked about the the first two, and um, all right, so <laughs> always on, like oh goodness. So what about that one? Uh, what what kind of recommendations does do you guys have, or do you give recommendations, or do you just kind of try and understand it?
1: You know, so we at Future of Privacy Forum really is um, is a great place to be because we're usually the folks in the middle convening privacy advocates on one side and industry privacy professionals and academics uh, as, as a part of that conversation as well. So we tend to not be giving directly giving advice to consumers like a lot of other organizations, mm-hmm. but instead we're explaining these issues and bringing people into the same room to work on paths forward with that helps um, to
0: come into some kind you kind of act as mediators to try and help the technology to still advance and but yet still have the privacy advocates make sure that consumers are protected
1: exactly we're very optimistic about technology and about data use generally for the good of, of lots of amazing social purposes a really great example of that is education right there's so much value that data can bring to improving the educational system and identify bias and discrimination. Oh, yeah. um, there's so much value there that requires individual data, but it it has to be done in a way that protects individuals, especially since you're dealing with children and uh, children who will grow up and not necessarily approve of data collected from them earlier. So there has to there has to be a way forward to do it in a privacy protective way.
0: Right. So, help me understand and help my audience understand, what is cross-device tracking?
1: Yes, cross-device tracking is something we've, we've had our eye on, and a lot of folks in, in D.C. have their eye on this year and for the last couple of years. Um, this has to do with data sharing on the Internet when you are browsing different sites, and the best way to understand it is to think about what the Internet used to look like in the 1990s when I was learning HTML, when the internet was first around, web pages were kind of like pages in a book. They were the same all the time. And they weren't, they didn't show up one way for one person and one way for a different person. And that all changed with the introduction of cookies, which is little bits of data stored on your browser, so the next time you visit that website, it knows you're the same person. So you can have things like a shopping cart, which revolutionized the internet. And then you saw the rise of Third party cookies, so an ad network could see if you were the same person who saw an advertisement on one website and then later went to a different website and made a purchase, even right. if you didn't click on anything right but um, so so that you know that of course has privacy implications, but it, it also generates a lot of the free content that right. you know most of us enjoy on the internet right <laughs> um, you know what would it be without free stuff on the internet right but right. Cookies really only work in one browser on one device. And for the last five, ten years, that just hasn't been the case anymore. So nowadays, the average person is using a computer, a smartphone, a Kindle, their their smart TV at home, their television, uh, a wearable device. They're using Amazon Echo. They're using tons of devices, tons of different browsers, not to mention apps which don't use cookies at all, and most, you know, a growing percentage of Internet use is via apps. So the challenge today for people in the online advertising business is how do we recognize the same person Mm -hmm. over time across different devices and different platforms to measure advertising effectiveness.
0: Right, right.
1: So that's that's the challenge, and that's what powers free stuff on the Internet for, for the most part. But, of course, it has major privacy implications, Um, and that's what cross-device tracking is. And the simplest form is just asking someone to log into the same platform on different devices. Oh, yeah. yeah. you you, You log into Pandora or Facebook or whatever on your phone, and you log into that same service on your computer using the same email address, and now it's possible to correlate the cookies on your computer with the advertising identifier from your phone. Right. And so now it knows that phone belongs to the same person as that computer.
0: Right. But at the same time, it's really um, an advantage because then I can just use that same email to get into whatever it is that I want to get into. It's pretty easy. So exactly. it's, it's good for me and it's it's good for them to to find out who I am on all these different devices. Yeah, interesting. Well, believe it or not, I, I could have had two hours with you easily, or probably two days, or two, two weeks. <laughs> so we are just about out of time, though, Stacy. Oh, no. I know. We'll have to have you back <laughs> again. Oh, my goodness. I just got so excited about your article. So, um, Stacey, why don't you give the website, and then it's time to go.
1: Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can find all of our writing on cross-device tracking and on microphone-enabled devices, and much more on our website, which is spf.org for Future of Privacy Forum.
0: Yes, and we've been talking with Stacy Gray, who is a certified information privacy professional. And obviously you can hear how brilliant she is and how really knowledgeable. Stacy, this is just wonderful. Thank you, and, and I hope we'll have you back again. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, thanks you for doing all the great work that you're doing. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at privacypiracy.org.
1: The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.